This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Kara Schallenberg. www.kray.org. The Country of the Pointed Furs by Sarah Orne Jewett. Chapter 10 Where Pennyroyal Grew. We were a little late to dinner, but Mrs. Blackett and Mrs. Todd were lenient, and we all took our places after William had paused to wash his hands, like a pious Brahmin at the well, and put on a neat blue coat which he took from a peg behind the kitchen door. Then he resolutely asked a blessing in words that I could not hear, and we ate the chowder, and were thankful. The kitten went round and round the table, quite erect, and— Holding on by her fierce young claws, she stopped to mew with pathos at each elbow, or darted off to the open door, when a song-sparrow forgot himself, and lit in the grass too near. William did not talk much, but his sister Todd occupied the time, and told all the news there was to tell of Dunnet Landing and its coasts, while the old mother listened with delight. Her hospitality was something exquisite, she had the gift which so many women lack, of being able to make themselves and their houses belong entirely to a guest's pleasure, that charming surrender for the moment of themselves and whatever belongs to them, so that they can make a part of one's own life that can never be forgotten. Tact is, after all, a kind of mind-reading, and my hostess held the golden gift. Sympathy is of the mind as well as the heart, and Mrs. Blackett's world and mine were one from the moment we met. Besides, she had that final, that highest gift of heaven, a perfect self-forgetfulness. Sometimes, as I watched her eager, sweet old face, I wondered why she had been set to shine on this lonely island of the northern coast. It must have been to keep the balance true, and make up to all her scattered and depending neighbours for other things which they may have lacked. When we had finished clearing away the old blue plates, and the kitten had taken care of her share of the fresh haddock, just as we were putting back the kitchen chairs in their places, Mrs. Todd said briskly that she must go up into the pasture now to gather the desired herbs. "'You can stop here and rest, or you can accompany me,' she announced. "'Mother ought to have her nap, and when we come back she and William will sing for you. "'She admires music,' said Mrs. Todd, turning to speak to her mother. "'But Mrs. Blackett tried to say that she couldn't sing as she used, and perhaps William wouldn't feel like it. "'She looked tired, the good old soul, or I should have liked to sit in the peaceful little house while she slept.' I had had much pleasant experience of pastures already in her daughter's company. But it seemed best to go with Mrs. Todd, and off we went. Mrs. Todd carried the gingham bag which she had brought from home, and a small heavy burden in the bottom made it hang straight and slender from her hand. The way was steep, and she soon grew breathless, so that we sat down to rest a while on a convenient large stone among the bayberry. "'There, I wanted you to see this. "'Tis mother's picture,' said Mrs. Todd. "'Twas taken once when she was up to Portland soon after she was married. 
That's me, she added, opening another worn case, and displaying the full face of the cheerful child she looked like still, in spite of being past sixty. And here's William and father together. I take after father, large and heavy, and William is like mother's folks, short and thin. He ought to have made something of himself, being a man and so like mother, but though he's been very steady to work and kept up the farm, and done his fishin' too right along, he never had mother's snap and power o' seein' things just as they be. He's got excellent judgment too, meditated William's sister, but she could not arrive at any satisfactory decision upon what she evidently thought his failure in life. I think it is well to see any one so happy and making the most of life just as it falls to hand, she said as she began to put the daguerreotypes away again. But I reached out my hand to see her mother's once more. A most flower-like face of a lovely young woman in quaint dress. There was in the eyes a look of anticipation and joy, a far-off look that sought the horizon. One often sees it in seafaring families, inherited by girls and boys alike from men who spend their lives at sea, and are always watching for distant sails or the first loom of the land. At sea there is nothing to be seen close by, and this has its counterpart in a sailor's character, in the large and brave and patient traits that are developed, the hopeful pleasantness that one loves so in a seafarer. When the family pictures were wrapped again in a big handkerchief, we set forward in a narrow footpath and made our way to a lonely place that faced northward, where there was more pasturage and fewer bushes, and we went down to the edge of short grass above some rocky cliffs where the deep sea broke with a great noise, though the wind was down and the water looked quiet a little way from shore. Among the grass grew such pennyroyal as the rest of the world could not provide. There was a fine fragrance in the air as we gathered it sprig by sprig, and stepped along carefully, and Mrs. Todd pressed her aromatic nosegay between her hands, and offered it to me again and again. "'There's nothing like it,' she said. "'Oh, no, there's no such pennyroyal as this in the state of Maine. It's the right pattern of the plant, and all the rest I ever see is but an imitation. Don't it do you good?' And I answered with enthusiasm. "'There, dear, I never showed nobody else but mother where to find this place. Tis kind of sainted to me.' "'Nathan, my husband, and I used to love this place when we was courtin', and—' She hesitated, and then spoke softly. "'When he was lost, t'was just off shore, tryin' to get in by the short channel out there between Squaw Islands, right in sight of this headland, where we'd set and made our plans all summer long.' I had never heard her speak of her husband before, but I felt that we were friends now— since she had brought me to this place. "'Twas but a dream with us,' Mrs. Todd said. "'I knew it when he was gone. I knew it.' And she whispered as if she were at confession. "'I knew it afore he started to go to sea. My heart was gone out o' my keepin' before I ever saw Nathan, but he loved me well, and he made me real happy, and he died before he ever knew what he'd had to know if we'd lived long together.' "'Tis very strange about love. No, Nathan never found out, 
but my heart was troubled when I knew him first. There's more women likes to be loved than there is of those that loves. I spent some happy hours right here. I always liked Nathan, and he never knew. But this Pennyroyal always reminded me, as I'd sit and gather it and hear him talkin'. It always would remind me of the other one. She looked away from me, and presently rose, and went on by herself. There was something lonely and solitary about her great determined shape. She might have been Antigone, alone on the Theban plain. It is not often given in a noisy world to come to the places of great grief and silence. An absolute, archaic grief possessed this countrywoman. She seemed like a renewal of some historic soul, with her sorrows and the remoteness of daily life busied with rustic simplicities and the scents of primeval herbs. I was not incompetent at herb-gathering, and after a while, when I had sat long enough waking myself to new thoughts, and reading a page of remembrance with new pleasure, I gathered some bunches, as I was bound to do, and at last we met again higher up the shore, in the plain every-day world we had left behind, when we went down to the Pennyroyal plot. As we walked together along the high edge of the field, we saw a hundred sails about the bay and farther seaward. It was mid-afternoon, or after, and the day was coming to an end. "'Yes, they're all making towards the shore, the small craft and the lobster smacks and all,' said my companion. "'We must spend a little time with mother now, just to have our tea, and then put for home.' "'No matter if we lose the wind at sundown, I can row in with Johnny.' said I, and Mrs. Todd nodded reassuringly, and kept to her steady plod, not quickening her gait even when we saw William come round the corner of the house as if to look for us, and wave his hand, and disappear. "'Why, William's right on deck! I didn't knows we should see any more of him!' exclaimed Mrs. Todd. "'Now mother'll put the kettle right on. She's got a good fire goin'.' I, too, could see the blue smoke thicken, and then we both walked a little faster, while Mrs. Todd groped in her full bag of herbs to find the daguerreotypes, and be ready to put them in their places. End of chapter 10 Read by Kara Schallenberg on April 3, 2006 In Oceanside, California